0: Well, welcome to Community Christian Church. My name is Ed Martin, and we're really glad you're here with us at our Ashley Park campus today. Or if you're watching this later in the week online, we're honored you did that as well. Uh, We're in the final week of this series, Best Year Ever. And uh, sort of at the heart of this is that all of us believe that this year can be better. We all want that, myself included. And to do that, we realize there are probably going to have to be some changes that we make. And that's why every year, People make resolutions or new decisions. But as I said to you the very first week, it's really not the decision or the goal that you set, because goals are not what shape us. Almost every person on the planet, we all have basically the same goals. We all want to have better health, and we want to do better in our relationships. We want to have great health, great relationships. We want to do well at work. We, we want to be strong financially. It's not the goal, uh, we don't live our go- life goal to goal, it's decisions that we make and systems that we set up, habits that we have that lead, wind up leading us places. It's decisions that we make, not great big decisions, because nobody ever ruined their life one big decision at a time. It's the small little daily things that wind up either making our life or breaking our life. So in this series we've been talking about habits and how to go about having uh, great habits, and so the first week I said to you, hey, instead of focusing on what you want to see take place, focus on your identity, who, who you want to be, who do you want to become. And then last week I thought Jason just got really practical and talked to us about how we can put the good habits in our life. And I'd love to be able to summarize all the last two weeks for you uh, today, but I have a lot to get to today. So what I've done at ashleyparkchurch.com, you'll see there's a place there. It says there's notes for this message. Well, in those notes sections, I've summarized uh, the last couple of weeks. And if you'll go there, you put your email address in, hit subscribe at the bottom. All of that summarize, uh, summarization of uh, this series, it'll be emailed to you so you can uh, hold on to it. But today, I, I want to talk to you about... Not just getting to better decisions and making this the best year ever. To get at that uh, is going to require some honest kind of reflection, and to have really honest, open evaluation of yourself. It's going to often, co- uh, it's going to require some awkward kind of contemplation, and even some awkward kind of maybe conversation with uh, another person that can help you with it. And so. I want to try to give you a question, to give us a question today that can lead to that kind of self-examination of the kind of things in your life that might be causing you not to get where you want to be in spite of the goals that you have. And so I'm going to ask this question over the next few minutes or so in several different ways so that it maybe can grab hold of you and give you a chance to get it and maybe cause you to begin to think so you can get to the best year ever. So here we go. Here's the question. What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you holding on to that actually if you're really honest, you're not holding on to it, it's holding on to you? What are you holding on to that people in your life who know you, they know it's holding you back. What's slowing you down because it's dragging you down, but you just won't let it go? What what is it in your life that's causing you not to get where you want to be? What is it that's holding you back that you hope you're doing and you hope nobody finds out? You hope your kids never know? You hope she never knows? You hope he never knows? What is it that you're holding on to that's holding you back? In fact, let me just give you, let me just give you my whole message in one sentence. If you're like me and you can't pay attention for a long time, then let me just give you the whole thing in, in, in one, one sentence. Whatever you're holding on to, that's holding you back, you need to put it down and you need to run away. (laughs) Whatever you're holding on to, that's holding you back, you need to put it down and you need to run away. Now, if you're here and you're not a religious person, you're not a church person, uh, honestly, that sentence is about—it's really about all I have for you. Whatever it is in your life that's holding you back, whatever it is in your life that's uh, causing you to Not become the person you want to be, then you need to own up to that. You need to put it down and you need to walk away. And the reason I don't have anything else for you is because, well, you know, I mean, let me just say what you you already know clearly. I don't have any authority with you. I mean, no matter how many verses I quote to you, no matter how much I talk over the next few minutes, uh, you're, you're here and we're thankful that you're here. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a religious person, then you really need to go at this on your own and so that's that's about the best I can offer you right now is that whatever is hold on to you that you're holding on to that's really got a hold of you, you need to put that down and and you need to walk away. you need to just go away from it. but I do want to give you I do want to give you one more little bit on that to, to think about before I just let you go. Uh, this thing that you're holding on to this thing that's holding you back, By holding on to it, you're also actually sort of holding off some people in your life that love you. And I've never met a person that is holding on to something that's really sort of holding them back from becoming all that they could be, that there aren't a group of people around them that care about them, that because of this thing they're holding on to, they've got these people held off. And you know the people I'm talking about. They're the people that have tried to talk to you about something, but you got so defensive when they tried to talk to you about it, they They just haven't brought it up again. They haven't forgotten about it. But as you hold on to this thing, you hold them off and put them off. Uh, So here's my advice to you. Would you put that down and walk away so you can be free? Now, of course, I think that the best way for you to get free is that you should begin to follow Jesus. Jesus said, once you know the truth, the truth of following him he'll set you free you'll become free indeed and he will make you better at life and i think you ought to do that but that's for you and him to decide now for those of us here who are followers of christ which is a majority of us there's more to it in that because whatever you're holding on to that's holding you back the problem with letting anything master you like that thing is mastering you is your problem as a follower of jesus is you already have a master now, we don't like to use the phrase master, or we don't use the phrase. It's not even a word we really talk about much in, in our world because it, it makes you sort of think about if somebody's your master like you're a slave. But, I mean, if there's something in your life that you're holding on to, even though it's doing damage to you and it's pushing off people that really care about you and it's not getting you where you want to go, but you do it anyway, you hold on to it anyway, it calls the shots in your life because you hold on to it in spite of the damage it does, I don't know what you'd call that other than slavery. And the interesting thing is for those of us who are followers of Christ is there's this other follower of Christ he wrote a long time ago. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. His name is Paul. And he writes about this very situation that we're talking about because this isn't a modern thing of human life, of holding on to stuff that does damage to you. It's just a human thing. And so Paul writing to this group of people in a city, the city of Rome Uh, That he cares about and he's trying to help. He talks to them about this, and I just want to walk this through uh, with you for those of us who follow Jesus. Here's what he says Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? That is, when you make a decision to take a step, and you you don't always know when you take the step, you think it's probably going to be good for you, but when you take a step that then becomes a habit, and that habit begins to become something that you refuse to let go of or or it gets a hold of you and it refuses to let go of you. That when you make a decision that becomes a habit and when you obey it and you make what you're doing is you make yourself a slave to that thing and you have to obey it. Whatever you say yes to, whoever you say yes to, that leads you in a direction that you wouldn't normally go on your own. Whatever you're holding on to that you have to say yes to, you become a slave to that person. That person or that thing becomes your master. Now, you're thinking, well, okay, I I see what you're saying, but I, I never really thought of it that way. I don't think about this thing as being my master. Well, I get it, and people didn't in their day either. That's why Paul started this thing by saying, don't you know, because often we don't know. Often we don't think of these things that we do that put us in places we don't want to be as being something that masters us. But Paul says, well, you need to begin to think of it that way because this thing that you're holding on to that's holding you back and holding other people off that would care for you, it's your master, and and you already have a master in Jesus. So he goes on and he says, You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Now, sin, that word's in there, and for many of us, that's a problem in in our culture. We don't think of much as sin these days. You know, it's chocolate, and that's the kind of thing that people attach things to, but let let me define sin for you. Now, Normally when people find sin, because these are the words that are used in the Bible for it, they talk about it as missing the mark. Like, there's a mark God has set for your life, and anything you do that makes you miss that mark, or anything that you should do that you don't do that causes you to miss that mark, that's sin. And those are really good definitions, but I find it doesn't really resonate with people very much, because then they begin to think about, well, does this really cause me to miss the mark? Here's the way I want us to think about this today. You know, Jesus said the whole law of God can be summed up in, in just a single command. Uh, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself, which actually sounds like two commands, but Jesus says it's just one. And then later Jesus boils it down and says, a new command I give you, and it is one. He says, you need to love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. So all of the law can be boiled down to this single thing, love one another as God has loved us. So here, if that's the whole law of God here, here's what sin is. Sin is anything that causes me to do something that's not loving toward me because I'm the closest person to me. So anything that you do that isn't loving to you or the you next to you or the you behind you or the you that you see that you don't really know their name but they serve you or the you that's on your street that you don't really like because they They just don't feel like your kind of person. Anything that you do that isn't loving toward you or the you's all around you, that's sin. And love, all love means is my will, my ability directed toward the good of another. So anything I do that is not my will directed toward my good and the good of other people, the people around me, that's sin. Now, here's what I say, you know, I think, I think that definition is so simple, and it's really p- pretty clear. I mean, it's not hard to get. You don't need a list for that. Anything you do that isn't loving toward you or the people around you, that's sin. It's clear. It's, it's simple. But it isn't easy. That isn't easy. So Paul says, You can be a slave to sin, anything you do that does damage to you or the people around you, hurting yourself and hurting others, and and that's death. If you keep doing that kind of thing, living the kind of life that damages you and damages other people, that's death. Now, people talk about, what does he mean by death? And there are all kinds of meanings to it probably, but here's one thing I know for sure that it means because I've seen it and you have too. It means that when you continue to live that way, doing damage to yourself and everybody around you. Things begin to die. I mean, there are things that you did that you thought were good for you, but they turned out not to be good for the you that you married or married to. And there was a the death of your marriage. You did something that felt right to you, and it did damage to you, and eventually it does damage to your kids. I mean, you continue to do things that damage the people around you. I mean, you, know, you may not even be a religious person and you see this all around you. You know, you know that there have been times that you have done something that hurt you, and it didn't just hurt you, even though you thought, this is just about me. It's not about anybody else. It wound up doing damage to your kids and your parents and the people that you hold off because of this thing you hold on to. It killed your business. For some of you, this thing you did, it wound up killing your business. And for some of us, it just so it felt so right in the moment, but it destroys things. It kills things, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you something else. It kills. It, it kills the you that you see in the mirror. It destroys peace, and that's not. It destroys peace inside of you, and that's not a thing because you follow Jesus. That's, that's just a human thing that as you go around doing things you thought would only damage you, but it damage other people. It, it destroys the peace in your life. So knowing all of that, the God who loves you, particularly for those of us who are followers of Christ, the God who says, hey, you can call me father because he loves you like a kid. He doesn't want to do anything that hurts you, and he doesn't want you to do anything. I mean, he's not trying, sin isn't him trying to keep something good from you. Sin is God trying to keep the things away that will hurt you and all the yous around you. But there's another part of this, and that part of it is the application he says obedience are going toward the mark that god set for you to love the people around you it actually makes things go toward being right doing what's right i mean we've all experienced this you do a little thing right and you do it right long enough and the trajectory of your life begins to change doing something right even when it's hard i mean when you do the right thing even though it's no you it's it's hard, and maybe somebody else misunderstands, but you lay down at night and you go, hey, I know my kids didn't get it. Hey, I know they didn't understand, but I did what's right. There's a piece about that, about knowing you did what's right, and it sets your life on a whole other direct trajectory. And I'll, I'll tell you something else. There, there's nothing like standing and looking in the mirror and going, hey, I did what everybody else wanted to do or what I felt right to me, but in the end, I was just a coward. I lied. I I did something that felt right in the moment, but I know it wasn't right. And it's just because I I, I didn't have the character to, to do what's right. Obedience, Paul says, God says, God who loves you says, obedience leads to right living. Sin kills things, but right living, obedience, it leads to right kind of living. And then he gives us this contrast. He says, but thanks be to God, that though you used to be a slave to sin, although there were past, there were things that you did that you held on to that weren't good for you or the people around you. Thanks be to God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you've not just come to believe something. Notice that because, you know, you, you and I both know believing something doesn't really do much good for anybody. You've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that's now claimed your allegiance. And I love that little phrase, he says, the pattern of teaching. Paul's just simply saying, hey, I'm inviting you. God, Jesus laid out for us a a pattern of living. It's a new rhythm of life. It's a new way of seeing your life and and your business and your money and, and, and the way you look at the world and the way that you look at other people and the way you look at God. It's a new pattern And if you live according to this new pattern, this new rhythm of doing life, it'll make this the best year ever, but not only this year, but if you stay on that trajectory, it'll make every year the best year ever for you. And it's this very simple, compelling idea. Here's the rhythm he's asking you to begin to live with. What God did for you, you just do for all the other yous around you. What God has done for you, you love other people the way that God loves you. You forgive other people exactly as God has forgiven you. You accept people. You welcome people. You love people. You help people. You look at people exactly how God looks at you. You just do for everybody else the way God has done for you. Because, see, here's his overarching command. It's tied tied to this extraordinary gift. We are to love not because God commands it. We are to love because we've been loved. We're to forgive because we've been forgiven. And that becomes, when that becomes the driving force in your life, anything that I realize is not good for you, it's not good. Anything I do that, maybe even it feels right for me, but if it isn't good for all, all of us, if it isn't good because my primary command is to love you the way that God has loved. If it's not good for you, then it's not a good it's not good. And it does damage to me and it begins to kill things. But obedience It's obedience to doing that that frees us. It doesn't enslave you. When you obey, you don't become a slave. Obedience frees us from the complications and all the consequences of sin, of living opposed to that. Now, there's another part in the Bible where this same guy, Paul, talks about this to another group of people, and I need to talk to you about it before we just let go of this. And this is not written to these people in Rome. It's written to another group of people that Paul cares about in a place called Corinth. And he's getting at the same thing, so he starts it almost the exact same way. He says, don't you realize? And I'll just say, I find that most of us don't realize this. We may have heard it. We may even even hear people, I hear people say this phrase in culture all the time. We may have heard it, but we don't really get the meaning of it. Or they've heard the phrase, but They don't understand the implications for them because when you realize this, it'll make a difference in how you relate to you and to all the people around you. Here he says, don't you realize that your body, Now, again, maybe I don't have to say this, but a lot of people think Christianity is about what you believe. He doesn't say, don't you realize that in your beliefs. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Now, when you hear the word temple, and when I hear the word temple, we think a thing, and the people that he wrote to, they thought that, but they thought something more than you and I normally think. We think, well, the temple is the place where you go to worship, and they certainly knew that it was a place that you went to worship, but they also had this thought. It's not only where you go to worship God, the temple is where God lives. It's the place where heaven comes to meet earth. The temple is where God is. So, When Paul says to them, don't you realize that your body is the temple? And they're like, wait a minute, my body's not the temple. My body goes to the temple. My body has been to a temple, but my body's not a temple. A temple is a temple. And Paul goes, no, that's what I'm getting at. God's done a a whole new thing. Don't you realize that when you follow Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes in you, and God does this whole new thing. You are the place where heaven meets earth. Don't you realize that the Spirit who now lives in you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Which also means, that's true, about the other yous around you. All the people around you. The people around you are the place, they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're where, they're where God, where heaven meets earth. I mean, now think about that in, in terms of this command that God has given us. This one command to love god has said to us if what paul is say, i mean if what paul has said is true is that all the people around you they're not just people those aren't just bodies those are dwelling places of god that's where heaven comes to meet earth i mean you and every person you know is sacred and you're thinking hey i know you don't know me well but I, i'm not sacred I mean, if you knew what I did last night, if you know what I am think, uh, what I have planned to do later today, you'd know I'm not sacred because of what I do. Well, neither Paul nor I said you're sacred because of what you do. You're sacred because you decided that you wanted Jesus to lead your life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit came to you. And the fact that you still do things that they're embarrassing to you and you wouldn't want to talk about here and that aren't doing what God wants you to do, that doesn't mean you're not sacred. You're, you're the place where Jesus has put the Spirit of God. You're sacred. And so is every other person around you. And then Paul says, You don't belong to yourself because the temple belongs to God. Every place that God is, God owns. And he says, because you're a temple, you're not your own. And some of you might have thought, well, no, wait a minute. That sounds, again, like, like slavery. And Paul would say, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. You were bought at a price. God paid for you with the price of his own son. And, and I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to... I mean, I, you've heard this, and, but don't miss it. God came. We just celebrated Christmas. Jesus came. God himself came. The Son of God came, and he gave his life you. He paid a price for you. So here's my question. What's that thing that you're holding on to ever paid for you? What's it sacrifice for you, or does it demand that you sacrifice for it? What's that person that, that demands and controls you? What's that person ever given for you? I mean, the truth is, It's costing you. The relationship is costing you. And that's Paul's point. Why would you honor that? Why would you hold on to that? Why would you obey that when it hasn't done anything for you? When there's the Son of God who you said you follow, who He paid price for you, you were bought at a high price And then he gives us the punchline. He gives us the application for that. And if you don't get anything else, hey, I want you to get this. Therefore, in light of everything that I've said, in, in light of all that God has done for you, therefore, in all your behavior, in all your thoughts, in what you do, in every decision you make, therefore, honor God with your body. Well, what does that look like? I mean, it's really pretty simple. We honor God. By honoring what God loves, and what God loves is us and all the people around us. God loves me, and He loves you, and He loves all the yous and me that are all around us. And when I do something that expresses that another person doesn't have the same dignity, when I when he expresses a lack of dignity, a lack of honor for the other person, I am not honoring God in that moment. So Paul says, "Hey, in light of the fact that you've been bought with a high price, remember." You're to honor God with your body. Anything that gets in the way of my love for you, anything that gets in the way of my love for me and the you around you and the love you behind you, the you that you're living with, you, you the, the kids you're trying to raise, anything that gets in the way of your love, of your will directed toward their best, God says, hey, that's not honoring. That needs, anything that gets in the way of you loving them, that needs to be moved out of the way. It's in the way. Which brings us back to the, original question. What are you holding on to right now that's holding you back? What are you holding on to that's holding you back from the target that God set for your life, this thing That The Father in Heaven says it's so important to Him that he give the life of His Son for that you and I become the kind of people that we just reflect to every person what God has done for us, that we love people the way that God has loved us. What are you holding on to that's holding you back from having the kind of relationship that you always dreamed of having with your children? What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are you holding on to that's holding you back from becoming the kind of man that God wants you to be in your family? What are you holding on to that's holding you back from honoring your parents? And the way you honor them is you love them the way that God has loved you. Is it your anger? Well, you know, my dad was just an angry guy, and his dad was angry. And uh, are you going to hold on to that? Are you going to do what it takes to put that down and walk away from it? I mean, are you going to continue to let to be that, to be the legacy of every man that has your name? Or are you going to do what you need to do to set that down and walk away from it so that you can honor God by honoring all the people around you? I mean, the people that love you, the people that you're holding off with this anger, they want you to put it down. Is it a habit? You know, habits start... It's little things that we do, and I mean, the way you begin to break a bad habit, it's just the inverse of everything we learned last week, and I put that in the notes at ashleyparkchurch.com of how how do you change that. You Nobody starts a habit to become a slave to it, but eventually some of these things, they get control of us, and what are you holding on to? Maybe it's a form of entertainment. Maybe it's gaming. Maybe it's a sport you play that's keeping you from doing things around you. Maybe it's your lack of paying into your health. Maybe it's how much you Try to get good health, and you, you put that in front of your family. What are you holding on to that's holding you back from loving the people that are around you? I mean, I, I don't really need to give you any more illustrations. You, you know what this is. Uh, you, you, I, I believe that God, through His Spirit, has already revealed to you what this is. And if, if, you don't know, if you don't know what it is right now, here's what I'll say to you. If you aren't scared... Ask the people that are close to you because the people that are close to you, they already can see what you're holding on to that's holding you back. And if you really want to know, if you really want to know how to make this the best year ever, why don't you just ask them, is there something I'm holding on to that's holding us back from having the kind of relationship we should have, from me becoming the kind of person that I ought to have? And then would you be willing to do what it takes to put that down and walk away? Because here's the thing. You're not supposed to be mastered by anything or anyone. I mean, if you're a Christian, you already gave your allegiance to God because of what he did for you through Christ. You already said, I want him to be the leader of my life. Don't just talk about that. Don't just believe it. It's time you began to put Jesus as the leader of your life. So come on. Come on. God loves you, and he's inviting you. What's in the way? What are you holding on to? What do you need to put down? What do you need to move out of the way so you can become what God wants you to be? And if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, hey, you ought to be. And I, I urge you to take a step. Take that step right now. Get, you know, Continue to come if you need to come to hear more. Hey, let us know you have questions. We, want to, we love to try to help you make, uh, answer some questions, but for some of you, some of you, you've been here long enough and you've listened enough and now's the time every week you come and you decide you're going to do it and then you just don't do it. You need to make a firm decision today to make Jesus the leader of your life. And you wouldn't have said this way, this way, but you've been living long enough to know, you know this already, sins kill some things in your life. Living according to the way you want it to, it's, it's caused some things. I mean, many of the greatest regrets you have in life are this thing you hold on to that's killed so many things in your life. It's killed some relationships you care about. It's killed parts of you that you care about. And it's time that you let Jesus, who wants to make you better, make you better at life, be the leader of your life instead of this thing. So I want to give you a chance to do that today. So would you right now, Would you just right now, would you bow your heads for just a moment? And I ask everybody to bow their heads. And if if you're in a place where you, you can tell God God is leading you to make a decision, you, you can feel that pull toward making a decision for Jesus today. Right now, while your head is bowed, would you just tell him that that's what you want to do? And you just say it in your own words. That, Jesus, I want to turn my life and my will over to you. I want you to lead my life. Just say that however you want to say it to him. Tell him you know that you've done things that have been holding him off, holding other people off. And that you want his help and his power to put that down. You want him to lead you. You say that to him. Father, I pray right now for people that are making this decision that you would give give them a sense that you're with them, that you've heard them, that you love them. Father, would you help them? To do what you call them to do in in the next step of their obedience to you. Is this first step of obeying you. In Jesus name I pray. Now the very first thing that Jesus did to publicly obey his father in heaven. Was he was baptized. He said I have to do this. To fulfill all righteousness. To do what's right. At the target I'm aimed at. And then he said to his followers you go and you you lead people to make me the leader of their life. and And then you baptize them. So I want to ask you right now, if you made the decision, or you've made that decision, but you've never done what Jesus asked you to do, this first step, I mean, it's the first thing he asked you to do. You can't get your life on track if you don't do the first thing. Right now, would you go to ashleyparkchurch.com, would you click on the card that says make a decision? Would you fill that out and check the box that says, I want to be baptized? You submit that, we'll help you do that. We'll lead you to do that maybe you're here and you just couldn't make that decision. You couldn't honestly pray a minute ago and you're not ready quite because you have some questions. On that same card, make a decision. Would you check, hey, I have some questions. We would love to talk to you. If you don't know what's holding you back, I'd I'd love to try to help you figure that out. We started this whole church for people like you to try to figure that out. Now, for the rest of us, for followers of Christ, right now is a time where we remember Jesus. We're coming to a time where we're going to meet around the Lord's table the way he asked us to, and we're going to remember him through these emblems that he set aside. This is your chance, again, to say to Jesus, hey, thanks for what you did for me, the price that you paid. Would you help me to honor you by honoring all the people that are around you? you recommit to following him today. For those of you who are not yet followers and this doesn't make much sense to you, you don't have to fake it. We don't expect you to act like you believe what we believe. Uh, what's coming about is there are going to be some emblems of bread and juice come by. These are emblems Jesus set aside that said, represent my body and my blood. And for thousands of years, every Sunday around the world, followers of Jesus have honored him this way, and we do it even today here. So we're going to do that, but you don't have to fake it. You don't have to participate in this if you don't want to. But you could take this time and you could ask God, God, what is my next step to reach the goal that you want for me? I don't want anything to hold me back. And even if you don't believe that, if you just, I mean, it doesn't hurt anything to pray it, maybe God would lead you. As we prepare to remember Jesus around his table, I'm going to ask that all of you stand, and the band's going to lead us in singing.